Welcome to episode 66 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This podcast is with Ian Cole, who's the head of sports science at Ludogorets Razgrad in Bulgaria. Ian came on to talk about a number of different things, but we spoke about his journey from air in Scotland to Ludogorets. Um, he talked about his career and where he's been and what, what's taken him on that, that, that journey. He talked about the game model at Ludogorets and how that affects his practice. We talked about um, how the methodology at the club was created and then he went into detail on what a typical week looks like. So it, it was expanding really on the episode with Paul White. We touched on tactical periodization and how Ian has implemented that system over at Ludogorets and, and how it differed to what he did previously with Celtic as well. So it was great to talk to Ian and delve into the programme over there. And I'm sure there's loads of takeaways for coaches because he spoke about clubs being at different stages. So the, the programme at Ludogorets was very different to the one at Celtic. So I think a lot of people will be able to um, reference the st- different stages and different situations he's been in. So it's great to have him on. So thank you to Ian for coming on. We, As this is going out, um, we are going to be down at our MK Dons meeting. So thank you to everyone that's turned up, hopefully, um, speaking in advance. And we look forward to our next meeting, which is going to be at the end of March, at, uh, on the 25th of March at Rotherham at the New York Stadium with Ross Burberry, Head of Performance, and with Adam Pulford, the Head of Sports Science for the first team. So I'm really looking forward to going over and seeing those guys speak. We do still have tickets remaining, um, but there are, be, there are plenty of tickets being snapped up for this event because of the lads and the, and the quality that they're going to bring to the event. So go and get your ticket. There's not, there's not too long left on the early bird price, but head over to footballfitfed.com and click network meetings and events at the top, and then you'll be able to get your early bird ticket for Rotherham. That will be changing to a full price soon, um, so go and check it out as soon as you can. You can get further discounts on our events, on um, being a community member so if you click the community tab you can sign up to a free month there and um, that will give you further discount if you use the code that's on the community for the Rotherham event I'm delighted to say that with this episode is sponsored by um, a previous sponsor by a soccer science conference I'm sure many of you will be going this year if you've not got your tickets already um, got a good bit of news for you. So the guys at Soccer Science have given us a code to get some discounts on tickets. So if you use code FFF100, the number 100, um, when you get your tickets, that'll give you a discount on the actual tickets for the event. But this year as well, um, the conference is actually going to be streamed too. So if you can't make the conference, there is there are tickets available for you to purchase and get access to a live stream which I think is amazing because that's going to reach a number of different people the event's going to be great it's at St George's Park um, they've got loads of amazing speakers there but if you can't actually make it to the event you can obviously watch it from the comfort of your own home or at work um, and they've also gave us a discount on the streaming tickets as well so you can get the stream tickets that are normally £35, you can get them for £21 um, by using code FFF and then the number 20. So 40% discount on the stream streaming tickets. So head over to the Soccer Science website to get your tickets and then just put the code in on your at checkout and you'll be able to either join the conference in person or join the live stream. 
I'll be at the conference. It looks great. The lineup's brilliant. Um, I know the guys have, have got another great event ready for this year. So it'd be great to see as many of you guys there as possible. So thank you to the guys at Soccer Science for sponsoring this episode. I hope you enjoyed the episode with Ian. It was great to chat with him. And as always, any feedback um, you've got on the episode or on previous shows, please get in touch. You can drop us an email, mail at footballfitfed.com or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at footballfitfed. Here's the episode with Ian. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 66. I'm delighted today to be joined by Ian Cole, who is the head of sports science at Ludogorets Razgrad. Ian, thank you for coming on. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on, mate, and uh, catch up about all things that have been going on in in your career so far and what your current role looks like. Yeah, and say head of sports science at Ludogorets Razgrad. I've been here for just coming up in two years, uh, Ben. My career started uh, back, well, 14, 14 years ago now, uh, at a small club in the first division called Airdrie United. I was there for pretty much a season and a half, and then an opportunity came up at Celtic uh, Youth Academy. Uh, I became the head of sports science there for four years with the youth, and then progressed to the, the first team, uh, first team sports scientist, and then the last sort of year and a half there, I was head of sports science. Uh, when Brendan Rogers came in, there was a sort of change in the, the structure. Uh, they wanted their own staff in, and it was time for me to sort of move on and find some pastures new. I decided at that point I had a son, and he was a sort of year and a half at the time, so I took some time out of football, uh, moved to Dubai, did some consultancy work with the federation out there, the UAE Federation, and some of the Premier League clubs out there. And then the opportunity came to Ludogorets Razgrad. Strange thing came around, really out of the blue. Then I mean, I was I did a presentation I think four years ago now in in Barcelona on training load and sports science methodology and the integration of tactical periodization and how that looks for sort of sports scientists and the data related within it. And the sporting director and sort of chief analysis uh, were at the conference and they contacted me through LinkedIn. And wanted to describe the project to me here in Lourdes Razgrad. So I flew out from Dubai and came and met the owner and all the heads of departments and the coach. And it was just a really exciting project. They hadn't had a sports science department and they wanted to integrate the hardware, software, and what sports science can achieve and drive the, the sort of team forward, enhance performance and player development. So it was a great opportunity. And that brings me here today. So I was going to ask you what led to move to Bulgaria, but that defines what we talk about all the time in terms of putting yourself out there and and um, taking up opportunities when they arise. And that was obviously the case with the presentation in Barcelona. Yeah, as, when I left Celtic, I wasn't looking to get back into football. Uh, and I took some time out for, for family. We moved to Dubai. So we were there. The plan was for five years. Uh, and they contacted me. This was three years, I think three, three and a half years after the presentation. And they were really, they excited me about the football, the project. They were bringing a Brazilian manager. They had a Spanish fitness coach. They had a Brazilian analyst. They've got Portuguese physio. Uh, the doc was from Romania. It was a multinational team they brought together. And they were looking to really achieve that sort of Champions League level. 
the selling and recruitment of players. Uh, so for me, it was really exciting. They gave me a blank check when I came here to buy hardware and software. So it really drew me in, and the, the people with the club drew me in, which was which was the main reason why I came. I know we're going to delve into the sort of data and, and possibly some of the tech that you guys use over there in a little bit on the episode. Um, so we will go into that. But one thing I was going to ask was, and I've asked this to a few previous guests as well that have worked across a few different countries and with different clubs. What are some of the biggest differences that you have experienced across the clubs? I think it's staff and players and methodology, I think, in the UK, my experience at Celtic is they, we have a strong philosophy and methodology. You know, it's loosely named the Celtic way, and that methodology is from the coaching through to the analysis through to the sports science. So that methodology doesn't really train a change. We bring experts in, and the new coaching staff will bring in their own staff and add to what's already been done at the club. Here at Ludogorets, it was really establishing that. Uh, for the club and uh, they have the goal of they want to be in the Champions League every season but they didn't really have a, a philosophy and a methodology to achieve that so that's probably the, the main difference between Celtic and Ludogorets was working with an established environment and going to an unestablished environment and trying to really lay the foundations down for them in terms of what affects development and performance I know always like um, hearing coaches' points of view in this situation. So, what was your first sort of point of call when you step into that role? When you're going into Ludogorets, and obviously it's a it's more of a clean slate than what what Celtic obviously was. Like, well, what's your first point of call? Where where do you start? Where do you put your focus? So, the, the starting point for me was really a analysis, is really an observation period. I came in April, which is near the the end of the season. The team where five points clear. So when I spoke to the, the owner, uh, it was about establishing a needs analysis of the club, what practice is in place, what they're actually doing in terms of philosophy and methodology, who's making decisions, where those decisions got made, how they're being made, and then feeding back to the owner and looking at areas of improvement, where investment should maybe be, uh, key people in the key, uh, key decision-making roles, and putting down a philosophy and a methodology because they didn't have one and then presenting that to the, the staff that were already here and trying to initiate some buy-in and leadership from the other departments, from the analysis department, from the medical department and how we can all work together in an integrated process because here was there was good people doing good things but it wasn't integrated into the one philosophy and methodology the club dictated and that was really my experience at Celtic, working in that sort of environment and seeing the success of the, the players developing. Uh, we had Victor Wanyama, Virgil van Dijk, Fraser Foster all moving to the, the Premier League. So seeing those players at Celtic develop and move forward within that environment, for me, was key. Um, and it's what really the club employed me to, to help with the sort of structural environment. So that was an observation period for six weeks. Feeding back to the owners, getting buy-in, getting a budget, and then really feeding back to the, the staff already in place then and, and trying to get uh, everybody working together for the one strategy and one methodology, which was a great experience for me. We've talked a lot about like cohesion of, of staff members and that. 
And obviously that that's important at every club, but it, it becomes more of a, I'm guessing it becomes more of an issue when you've got so many nationalities at the club as well. So you mentioned before um, about some of the nationalities involved. So was, is there a language barrier? Is that, is that an issue or how do you guys get around that? I mean, yeah, English is the sort of common language. Uh, we do have Portuguese, we've got Spanish, we've got French-speaking, uh, we've got Israel, uh, Israeli players. So we do have uh, the Bulgarian players, so we do have that sort of translation, common terminology, which probably, it's interesting for me, helps the process quickly because in sports science we have massive terminology in terms of the physiological uh, terminology, but when you streamline it and strip it back and speak to players, coaches, and members of staff in that sort of common tongue and you know words that we use that people can understand quickly in English, it actually streamlines the the process pretty quickly. But it's it's interesting using a translator. You know when you do a presentation and then there's three people translating different languages, it is quite interesting. It was a great experience for me. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine it. It sort of tests your um, your coaching practice and the and the way you speak, doesn't it? In the language that you that you use, because you can't you can't just throw out a load of technical terms and in in case it's not um, translated properly or meaning what you want it to mean. Yeah, you, you change your coaching process to the way that I work with the players. Uh, I found here that actually videoing video analysis and video feedback uh, that visual impact of the players is huge here because if you want to describe something like you spoke, said earlier the game model the game model here is different to Celtic and every club has their own game model but if you show the player in relation to their position within the game model what you're trying to achieve within the training that can be off the field uh, or on the field for me, that has a high level of impact here and seems to work really well with the players. And if we could touch on that game model, can you can you go into um, the game model at Ludogorets and also how that affects your practice or what you've had to do in terms of manipulating your practice to suit the game model? I mean, our game, the game model here is we'll play a 4 to a 3 1, but it's it's a high velocity, high transition, um, not as controlled as a Celtic game model is. In the attacking phase, we look to attack with the majority of the players and really only the centre-backs stay back. The rest are in full attacking mode. In the transition period, we, it's high velocity because we need to use speed. We need to counter the counter-attack. As the defensive phase for us is a very, very low priority. Uh, it's all about the, the attacking phase and that defensive transition about the high velocity return to position as quickly as we can. But the initial phase, the defensive transition is the, the high press and commit to close the area and win the ball back in numerical superiority. So in terms of the, the training process and the difference between Celtic, Celtic is more uh, positional play and keep position and, you know, have that numerical superiority in the wing with the 1v1 and the white players uh, and crosses into the box. Uh, so the, the model is different in terms of the training because we have to make sure that the players can achieve that high-velocity transition all the time and the majority of the players, where Celtic is more structured 
in terms of the positional play. It's about retaining possession and attacking at the right moment and decisive moment in the game uh, with overloads and underloads. So the training process alone is the same. We both use uh, tactical periodization with the physiological periodization. But I would say at Lugerts is a higher emphasis on the sort of sprinting capacity of the team. If our sprinting capacity is low in a game, we generally find that we don't win the game. We either lose or draw. That's the way they're setting up the play. In terms of, we, I know we've just talked about, just off there, the typical week and what your week looks like. And I know this week is going to be a little bit different because you've got the Champions League and you're flying over to Italy. But can you give us a little breakdown on what your a typical week looks like for you? I mean, this week we obviously we played on Sunday. Uh, we played a league game on Sunday, which we actually drew... Uh, 1-1 with a team in the, the lower half of the league so that was off the back of the first uh, game against Inter so the players were probably more mentally tired from the, the Inter Milan game so from the Inter Milan game last week we had a few days basic recovery and correction in the game model the game on Sunday unfortunately we drew 1-1 the sprinting capacity of the team was was low this week. Uh, we rested some players, so we had a sort of three-day lead into the game. Uh, yesterday was a sort of regeneration day, and today was basically another regeneration day, but specifically working on the, the game model. Those moments in the game where we see uh, a weakness against Inter Milan, Inter Milan play with the, the five-three-two formation. They don't press high, so we. We have an opportunity to, to keep possession of the football, but we need to use explosive movements to penetrate in the final third, which we didn't do in the first game. So the day was regeneration. And there was no high-velocity, uh, high-intensity work or sprinting, but it was more of the, the actions that were involved in that. So it was another regeneration day. And then tomorrow, we train uh, Inter on the pitch, and that'll be a sort of reaction, sort of speed reaction, integration of the cognitive side is gain speed so we'll do some phases of play and then we'll do some small sided games to bring that cognitive element 10v10 probably in a half pitch for maybe three times four minutes uh, just to prepare the players for the match but really in between the Inter Milan games it's about game model and correction work and that'll happen in video form and on the, the field. So the physical load is really, it's down, it's low, it's more about the game model. The only top-up we will do would be yesterday for the players who didn't play. Uh, they'll receive a top-up, they would do some extra small-sided games at the end of training, and then today they'll do a normal regenerative session with a full squad, and then uh, tomorrow, as I said, will be an into Milan, and that's the cognitive side and the reactive side, and making sure we peak for performance. I hope you're enjoying the episode with Ian. Just wanted to give you a few updates on our community. So as I mentioned at the start of the episode, the Soccer Science discount codes are available on the community. Um, but I did mention them at the start. You can also go and check out the meeting presentations from Colchester. So Perry Blanchett and Kamal Ishmael's presentations are now available on the community. And depending on when you're listening to this as well, we will probably have Matt Wilmots from the MK Dons meeting as well available. So you can go and check out those presentations as well as previous ones from um, coaches like Will Abbott, um, Tom Little, 
Oliver, um, Oliver Morgan up at Celtic, Jack Naylor. There's there's a number of different presentations available on the community now, so go and check those out. We've also loaded our discount code for our Rotherham United meeting. So as a member of the community, you do get discount, further discount on the early bird for our Rotherham United meeting. So head over to the community and just click the uh, network meeting tab and that'll take you to the discount code that you can use on checkout when purchasing your Rotherham United network meeting ticket. And then we've also got some webinars that are gonna some new webinars that are gonna be going on to the community very soon. So hopefully by this time next week for the next show, they will be uploaded and ready for you to watch. And um, there are plenty of webinars on there already. Evie Casagrande's got one on there, Sam Joyce, Luke Holdham, and then a few other coaches as well. So there's some great information available on the community. So go and check those out and keep an eye and an ear out for when the new seminars and webinars are uploaded. But I will let you get back to the episode with Ian. Every day. So it was a linear profile with a sort of low loading factor. So the, we changed when I came, and this was the discussion in the, the six weeks that I had, is to, to implement a philosophy and methodology that the club can control and see as a, a standard whether that changes from coach to coach. The club can control what the, player, the players experience in terms of development and performance. So it's really, it, it was implemented by me, but everyone has buy-in, the medical team, the analysis team, uh, and the third coach here normally stays as a, as a Bulgarian coach and is now very used to working in this way uh, since I've been here. So they help with the coaching process with the new coach. So we have that integration now within the club. So everyone knows about it. Everyone knows how to control it. Everyone knows what's involved within it in terms of pitch size and loading. Um and what we look for in terms of recovery from the, the medical team, they have their own testing bank to look at to give us feedback straight away each day how the players feel, and then we'll adjust the loading factor based on that, that feedback as well. But the coach still has their own freedom, you know, complete freedom within that framework to, to coach the players how, how they want. The only uh, sort of methodology we control is the, the volume, the intensity and the volume. Would you say that's been the most successful um, factor that you've brought into the programme uh, since you moved to Ludogorets? I think so. I think from uh, my time in Celtic, you know, I've seen the, the value in the tactical periodization model and the physical periodization working in an integrated fashion. It allows us to control, as I said, the volume and intensity, but gives the coach complete freedom within that framework. So for me, it's it's been vital here um, in the data that links into that uh, from the GPS and heart rate point of view and the player's RPE fits into the, the framework and then we, we layer it with the sort of recovery testing bank that we have. So for me, the performance physically has increased here. Now that's not just due to the, the periodization strategy. It's due to a number of factors, but I like to think that we've, we've helped the players develop physically within that framework and allow them to recover and peak for performance. So, yeah, it's probably the, the most fundamental thing that's been applied here by myself in terms of the sports science. And I mentioned before about bringing up the data that you guys collect and how it informs practice. So I know you said before about having the blank check and I know a lot of coaches will probably their ears will prick up when they hear that because 
there'll be a lot that aren't in that same situation. So what was your approach to that when you were, when you had that in that situation where you had that freedom? I think the, probably the only reason it was a blank check is because there was nothing here. So we, we had to buy the systems and software to implement what the club wanted to achieve. So, yeah, it was great. We, we went and bought uh, Statsport uh, Apex. Uh, we went and bought First Beat. Uh, we went and bought uh, the Gymware. Uh, we went and bought the Neuroscience. Uh, we went and bought Kaiser Machines. We bought the heart rate variability in the First Beat. So, what we want to achieve in terms of the methodology, the, the hardware and software now allows us to monitor and give feedback to the coaches in terms of that philosophy. So it was great. Uh, it was exciting time to set that up. But the biggest thing is to make sure that the monitoring systems, we have that feedback that's quick and instant to allow the coaches to understand quickly. Uh, we, we often find at every club that that's, that's probably one of the biggest challenges. So we try to streamline that process and make it simple for the coaches to understand rather than give them streams and streams of, of data and lines of data and pages. We try to streamline that process for them and let them know if we're within the methodology that we're looking to achieve for the day and the week. And with their game model in mind, what is some of the key data points that they look at? So within a training week, if we look at the, if it's a Saturday-Saturday game, say for instance, our match day minus four is a strength and power day. So that's more our high heart rate. So 85 to 90% above for maximum heart rate. We look at Axel D-cell data. Uh, our meters per minute is low because the, the areas are small that we're using. And match day minus three, which is the, the high intensity day, it's the bigger pitch. So we're looking at uh, heart rate 80 to 85. We're looking at high intensity running, uh, sprinting, and we're looking at meters per minute. Um, as we come down into match day minus two, we call it speed day. We're more looking at those uh, high accelerations, some sprint work. Uh, meters per minute will stay low. Heart rate will be between 80 to 90% because the pitch is medium. And we're going to match day minus one. The, the factors sort of fall away and we strip back the, the data points there. It's just making sure that, that it's controlled and there's no data that's going to show a, a loading spike, really. So the three main names are match day minus two, match day minus three, match day minus four, where we control the, the data for those days. Awesome. And then, I'm going to touch on as well because it, it's it's suitable to mention it for this week with your travel. But how do you factor travel into the program? Sorry, and you broke up there just a little bit. Then sorry. Yeah, no problem. No problem. I was just going to say, how do you factor travel into the into your program? Yeah, it's, I mean, for us, it's, it's vital. Uh, I was competing in Europe from the the start of the season. The real things we look at is sleep nutrition and heart rate variability. Uh, we make sure that the players have enough sleep capacity, if you want to put it that way. So we give them enough time to uh, come down from the, the last game because we know there's an adrenaline and hormone spike and a reflection period after the match. So we make sure that any travel on the next day, we give the players enough time to sleep at least nine hours uh, so that's factored in. We look at the um, heart rate variability uh, on mat on 48 hours after the match and 72 hours after the match. 
and nutrition. We make sure we give the, the players guidelines in terms of the carbohydrate loading and the protein recovery after after the match. So those are three areas we, we really look at. Uh, Travelling here, we travel by bus sometimes, so we have durations of four to five hours. We don't always uh, fly. Uh, so again, it's just making sure that the players have enough rest and recovery and looking at those three areas. When we travel away, it's easy. It's a charter flight, so we can we can schedule the flight like most clubs do. And again, it's looking at the sleep and nutrition, as I mentioned there, Brent. So it's it's same as probably Celtic, same standard as probably most clubs. Uh, the one factor I like to use is the, the heart rate variability in, in first beat. It gives me good feedback the 40 hours, the 72 hours after the match, because sometimes we might manipulate, adjust training, based on those uh, feedback from the, the heart rate variability. And is that, is the HRP something you guys use for Celtic? Uh, no, we didn't use that at Celtic, no. I've, this is the first club I've implemented uh, here in Ludovic. And how does it go down with the players? Do the players understand it? Do they, do they feel, do, do they need to understand it? Yeah, they understand it. I mean, I explained it to them. We did a mini presentation to make sure that the reason why they're doing it is not for a checkup, you know, to make sure who's recovered and who will play the next game. It's more to look at do we need to recover more as a team or as an individual? Can we then individualise your training to prepare you better for the next game? So we might be doing small city games at the end of uh, the training on 72 hours after the match, but we might take that player out of those games just to make sure they give them that extra period to recover. So it's not a, we don't want to make it intrusive for the players. We want to make sure they have buy-in. Uh, the players can do it at home. They have an app on their phone and it's a three-minute uh, lying-down test in the morning. So it's not intrusive. There's not a big uh, commitment from the player. Uh, maybe the first three months, there was a sceptical, you know, the players thought maybe I won't play, I won't train based on this. So breaking down those barriers, after that, no problem with the players. They see the value in it now. So it's been a great uh, addition to the, the programme. Yeah, I'm sure that they feel the value as well, don't they? When they when they understand it um, properly, it's just one of those things, isn't it? That at first you can get a little bit misunderstood, I think, sometimes. But with with proper knowledge behind it and implementation, it can work great, can't it? I mean, the players when they do it in the morning, I get the download to my uh, laptop you know the software it gives me the feedback the percentage where they are but generally the players will text me after the test and say looking I know I didn't sleep well last night my kid was up or listen I do feel, still feel sore in my left hamstring and that relates to the match data so we have that buy-in but also have that communication process so it's helped two things it's helped buy-in for the program that we implement here and the communication in terms of being open and honest and how they feel which is great, I think, and it's it's invaluable. And I think a few of your other uh, practitioners have commented on that as well and spoke about it. The feedback from the players is, is invaluable. You know, to have that relationship with them is invaluable in our position and job. Yeah, definitely. No, that's great, mate. I think there's some top information in there. Um, in t- I know you mentioned before that you don't spend too much time on social media, but where where's the best place that people can keep up to date with what you got going on? Yeah, it's probably uh, Twitter. Twitter is probably the main thing I use, although I don't post much. But LinkedIn as well, I do use LinkedIn. LinkedIn and Twitter is, is where you'll find me. 
uh, any information I post or anything I'm interested in, you'll definitely find me on there, Ben. Awesome. Well, I'll post those in the show notes so everyone can uh, can find you and ask any questions that they've got. And uh, I appreciate you coming on and best of luck over in Italy. Thanks, Ben. I hope so. I hope you tune in and give your support for us in Bulgaria. Oh, of course. Definitely. <laughs> Excellent, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, mate. Thanks a lot for coming on. Cheers, mate. All the best. Bye. Thanks a lot for listening to episode 66 with Ian. It was great to speak to him about the programme at Ludigrets and obviously what his previous role at Celtic. You can follow him on Twitter. He's at Ian Cole, which is C-O-L-L, and then in capitals, A-T-P. I think my takeaways from the episode were where he talked about the established the unestablished environment, so the different situations that he's been in throughout his career at the different clubs. And I think a lot of coaches can relate to um, different circumstances that he's been in and the sort of actions he's had to take in those circumstances from creating the methodology from scratch at Ludogorets to going in an established environment like Celtic. Putting yourself out there comes up time and time again, but Ian mentioned it with the job that he ended up getting at Ludogorets. You have to take opportunities to go and speak. You have to take opportunities to put yourself out there. And it is a bit of a shameless plug, but that's exactly why we run the network meetings for you to meet other coaches, build your network, and you never know what job opportunities are going to come from that in the future. He also spoke about the coach having freedom within the tactical periodization model, which is obviously something that's been echoed by previous coaches like Paul White and him controlling the main factors of intensity and volume. So it was great to delve into the the model that they use over there and how the game model affects his practice and the uh, tactical periodization model that he's implemented over at Ludogorets. And then also just the final point was where he talked about HRV. So it'd be great to actually delve into this in a little bit more detail. So if you have got, if there's anyone out there that wants to come on and talk a bit more about recovery, some of the methods you use, possibly delving into HRV in a little bit more detail, I think that would be great because it's an area that I know is growing. There's more and more research coming out at the moment and it was great to hear that Ian, that is something that those guys are using with the players um, and I know more more information is going to be coming out so it'd be great to get someone on so if you've got any recommendations of anyone that you want to come that do you want to hear talk about HRV and not necessarily HRV in particular but recovery in general please reach out and that is the same in terms of future episodes as well we've had some great recommendations recently of guests and they are going to be coming up over the next few shows um, but if there's anyone out there that you want me to reach out to um, or that you know will be interested in coming on and add real value onto the podcast, then please reach out. Drop me an email, mail at footballfitfed.com, or you can drop us a DM on Twitter or Instagram. Just search at footballfitfed. It'll be great to hear who you want to hear on the on the show. Um, got some great guests lined up over the next few weeks, and um, yeah, it'll just be great to hear who you want to hear, and we can reach out and, and get some of those shows in place, hopefully. So thank you again for listening. Really appreciate all your listens. Please share the show as always. Share it with friends, family, anyone you think you'll benefit from the episode. And if you haven't done so already, head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. I will speak to you again next week.